question everything. Welcome all you creeps to murder on the you creeps to yet again another episode of murder on the 420 express this another is mandy season i get well another episode another, another season another season another episode depends on season. depends on when this is aired this could be totally a middle episode <laughs> no, no i guess this, this would be the be first the beginning all right so welcome to another season serial killer murder on the 420 express Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, oh, dun. Hi, my name's Lisa. <laughs> I am your weed expert, aka the cannabis goblin, because I'll probably gobble up all of your cannabis. <laughs> that was a really good actual Thanksgiving joke <laughs> for cannabis goblin, because I'll gobble up all your cannabis. Probably just gobble it all. Hide up. your cannabis. <laughs> no, hide no. your wives. Hide your children. Lisa's hide your coming. cannabis. You might want to hide your cannabis. <laughs> oh no, it's what Lisa. What is that? I smell weed. Is that OG? I smell the ganja. Is that, is that ghost OG? Ghost OG? Oh shit. What is she it? She knows. Lavender diesel. Is that lavender diesel? diesel? Was fucking amazing. Yeah, that was pretty good the other night. Alright, so brought to you <laughs> by Mantra Theory CBD, where you get the highest strain of, highest quality <laughs> of CBD sold by yours truly. The cannabis cup. <laughs> so first off, tell us a little bit more about Mantra Theory because I see you've got, you've been posting it a lot, and I want to yeah. kind of know a little bit more about it. Like, what kind of products do they offer on Mantra Theory, and what are you distributing as so, a distributor? As of right now, there is the can the CBD oil, which is comes in two different dosages mm-hmm. of um, five hundred. Um, milligrams and 750 milligrams there's also the full spectrum Mm -hmm. cbd which includes like the cbns the cbgs also the cbds and all of that it's like a full oh i didn't even know any of that yeah it's all in the little trichomes on little buzzies um so there's the full spectrum which is in five milligrams and then you have just the regular cbd oil which isn't full spectrum which comes in 500 milligrams and 750 milligrams what's the difference between regular and full spectrum like is there it's just the no it's just that you get the cbns and the cbgs and all of the other um compounds that are found in marijuana, or not marijuana, but cannabis. But it doesn't affect you differently? Nope. Like, okay. I mean, it's all beneficial, really, okay. if you think about it. Um, there's the salves that come into 50, 500, and 750. Nice. I really want to try some of those. I think that'd be good. I actually want to get my mom some for John's back, which is my stepdad, I think John. it would be really great. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my friend Zach, it came to me the other day about his girlfriend who has fibromyalgia. I recommended that she do both the oil and the salve since yeah. the first time she tried using a CBD product to help, it didn't really help her. Mm. But at the same time, you ha- you also have to look into what brand you're using and if yes. they're third-party tested. If okay. they're not third-party tested, then you're not really receiving a high-quality you know, it's like therapeutic grade versus like standard essential right, oils. Like, because like I do that, you have to be careful. Yeah. So, like, say for instance, you know, somebody does it like out of their home, like you with your essential oils and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, they do in-house testing. Uh huh. It's not really something that is to be like trustworthy, but recommended. You, yeah, yeah you have to you spend the extra dollar to really third, get the good stuff. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But if you get one that's third party tested, which also Thought Cloud CBD is third party tested. Thought Cloud. Um, there is also Mantra Theory, which is third party tested. Mantra Theory. 
Go check them out. They're actually in her uh, bio in your Instagram. Mantra Theory is, yes. The website to buy from me. We There's also the beauty line coming out as well, too. Oh, that's awesome. For facial creams and retinol creams. I need to get a really good moisturizer. So I will definitely be checking that out. Yeah, a little nighttime cream. Dude, I really like that because not a lot of people understand CBD, and I think that they all think, oh, it's just going to be weed, you know, the devil's lettuce, but really it's no. completely different, See, and if you can get, like, people in pain, a little bit older people, people on board. Yeah, what people don't realize is that we have cannab- cannabinoid receptors in our bodies and also mm-hmm. in our brains and, you know, all of that, so essentially it's... it's I have a theory. Like our nervous system. I have a theory. I truly believe that when the world was in its ancient state, that the world was mainly tropical, and maybe this is just <laughs> what I wish it was, but I have a feeling that if it was as tropical, like if Pangea was all just main tropics, mm-hmm. besides the extreme north and south, like what if it was like a hot box under like these Amazon canopy leaves and like it was just a hot box and people would naturally get like kind of like how animals like the alpha and a male will eat the liver because it has DMT in the liver so Mm -hmm. like the alphas in most packs get high what if humans in their natural environment maybe the stronger ones took shrooms or knew what shrooms were so they sought those out but they were just naturally hot boxed all the time and that's like how we've evolved to have the cannabinoid 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 the cannabinoid the cannabinoid receptors in our body but that again could also just be a huge stone theory indubitably indubitably so yes who's our killer today so this new season and thank you all for joining us is on serial killers And at first, to be honest, I actually had like four pages of research. No, excuse me. I had seven pages printed out on H.H. Holmes. And I was really like, oh, you know what? If this is going to be the first episode, I'm going to be the first American serial killer. But there's a lot of you that know who H.H. Holmes is. He created the Murder Castle in Chicago. He um, also created a couple others. And he was the first known American serial killer who really manipulated people and like lured them in into like a cat and mouse game. And he killed up to, what was it? He was confirmed for nine killings, but it could have been anywhere from nine to, like, 90. And he was convicted for killing his, like, right-hand man. But I'll get into that later. So I was like, all right, well, I know a lot about A.J. Holmes, just like I know a lot about Jack the Ripper. But I want to bring you guys into a whole different part of the world, into the actual globalization of serial killers because there's not a lot that we know and i'm telling you russia's got some (coughs) insane ones asia's got really insane ones um this one that i'm going to be talking about today it is pedro rodriguez filo a serial killer from brazil now Hmm. he really fascinated me because i'm going to ask you guys the ethical question of was it he acting straight as a serial killer like was he completely psychopathic or sociopathic or was he maybe acting as the greater good such as robin hood oh motherfucker is this a dexter one it's a really interesting one and of course as with most serial killers he does have a bit of a tragic story starting from the beginning but um i will definitely go into that and i just want to hear maybe what you have to input in between the different parts of his life because this what gets me about serial killers is not always what they've done besides killing people but why they did it and who they were beyond being a serial killer like jeffrey dahmer was a really friendly neighbor you know you had ed gein who was just a tortured mama's boy to be honest true um you know you have all these really crazy serial killers that there's just this dark part about them but beyond that they're just real fascinating characters so like jeffrey dahmer where were we (laughs) okay so we had to take a brief pause you guys (laughs) we came back to jeffrey dahmer and i cannot remember (laughs) where we left off fuck it okay so back to pedro (laughs) pedro uh, oh, okay, so we were talking about, like, what people do, why they do it, like, Jeffrey Dahmer being a friendly neighbor, that's where we were at, yes. and, you know, like, you just, you don't understand people, and they say, on average, you've probably crossed about 25 serial killers throughout your lifetime. 
Like, wait, huh? Oh, never no. mind. That's not serial killer. Sociopath. That's sociopath. But if you think about it, it's, so there's a book, and I believe the title. I'll have to research this and put on the link. Is called "An Interview with Five Non-Criminalistic Sociopaths," and it's really fascinating because they talk about how they literally have like no consequential thinking. They know that they have an objective, like say you want to get to the highest position you can at work. They will not care what they do as long as they get to the highest position at work. Now, non-criminalistic means they obviously won't commit murder to get up there, but even if they did, they wouldn't have that same consequential thinking because they just have a straight objective. Yeah. Like, it's very interesting. They also say serial killers have a higher functioning frontal cortex and a lower or um, smaller functioning amygdala so like your lizard brain your like actual human like and that's where we can carry a lot of our logic and empathy the frontal cortex the higher functioning is our predator brain so it creates us to be above did you know think who am i just that statement who am i who am i that is literally the part of the brain that thinks that that's weird. Isn't that So cool? the higher functioning frontal cortex, there's also this huge complex, and we'll get into this and in a little bit. And it's your third eye is. Who am I? Is right oh, here. that's interesting. The third eye has always been real fascinating to me. But, um... Giggles the cloud is in the background. My, yeah, my boyfriend's watching something that's obviously pretty funny. I can hear him, like, chuckling. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are you watching? Cracking me up. I was about to tag your mom in this, and I just took her name off of it. Though. <laughs> Did you my, work, man. My hands look like this, so hers can look like this. Imagine if you got that done and you grated cheese and you just have cheesy ass nails all day. No, Bow. dude, that's a serial killer nail. Serial killer's nails. Amberton. Shred your face. Oh, what happened? Please oh, answer. What face. happened? Yeah. Come here, give me a kiss. Oh, that's nasty. <laughs> Get the fuck out of dog with that one. So gross. Oh, are we still recording? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll I'll do it back in a minute. But anyway, so, like, they have a higher-functioning frontal cortex, which is just really interesting to me as being the predator. And there's a huge thing, um, a theory that states that serial killers most often face the question of, um, not the question, but basically a state of boredom. Like, they just get bored with life. So they, they are almost, they could be chaos babies, in essence, they could, which is a person who thrives in chaos but they are most likely the people who think that murder is just that next step in life. Some people get married, some people get engaged, some people get pregnant, and some people murder. Who the fuck think? Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, we just said who thinks that. Okay. Sociopaths. But. Whether you're criminalistic or not. It's crazy to think that, yeah, murder is just like the next step in this great scheme we call life. Like, once you hit 45, you know, Dan, you need to become a serial killer. You need to start murdering. If you haven't started murdering by 30, you're really late in the game. You are late to the show. Catch the fuck up. Like, now. You need to be able to pay your mortgage and you also need to be able to be a hitman. That's just it. I guess that's just. That's our life right now. That's life. So, uh, Pedro, born June 17th, 1954, is a Brazilian serial killer nicknamed uh, Pedrino Matador, which is Killer Petey, in what we got the, like, interpretation. Uh, Convicted of over 70 murders, apprehended by police in 1973, and finally convicted in 2003 to 128 years in prison. 
Pedro was born on a farm. Wait, he was... Wait. Convicted? He was caught in 73? Yeah, but he wasn't convicted until 2003. 30 years late. So, Brazil automatically has... 30 years later? Yeah, Brazil automatically has a policy that if they catch you for murder, you have to automatically serve a 30-year sentence. But if you have multiple murders, then you don't get that final conviction until after your first 30-year sentence. That's a fucking weird Yeah, they don't even do life sentences, which is... He's, like, one of the few exceptions that got over 30 years conviction. Um, Pedro's born on a farm in South America with an injured skull due to the repeated beatings his mother endured during her pregnancy. Oh my god. Yeah, it's really sad. His first inclination, uh, per his statement to kill was when he was 13 years old during an altercation with his older cousin. He actually pushed his cousin into a sugarcane press where he almost died. So 13. He obviously didn't wait very long after that to make his first killing. At 14, he murdered the vice mayor of Alfenis, Minas Gerais, uh, because he fired his father, who was a school guard at the time, and was accused of stealing food from the school's kitchen. Then Pedro murdered another guard who was believed to be the actual thief. Yeah. So, in my mind, if Pedro dealt with such a violent father, and then his father got fired, it probably was worse for the entire family. So he was like, fuck no. Let me figure out who the actual thief is, and let me, like, fuck up the person who actually fired my dad. What if it was, like, he was doing his father a favor? Well, that's what I'm saying, like, this vigilante. Or not, like, like a, like, kind of, like, out of respect. Do you know what I mean? Like, for his dad. Like, how could you do that to, like, my dad? Because, you know, most people, not most people, I shouldn't say that. The people that are, like, abused or whatever, or mm-hmm. just growing up in general, you, like, love your father, like, no matter yeah. what they do. Like, what mm-hmm. if that was his mentality? What if he oh, like, I think thought so. he was doing, like, the right thing? For his dad, like, protecting his dad. Yeah. I think... Or the other theory mm-hmm. is that what if his father told him to do it? And maybe he was just so afraid of his father that he would rather kill yeah. Then face his father. I think there's a huge spectrum on that. A lot of people, especially serial killers like Richard Ramirez, had an extremely abused childhood. Like he, his father would would beat him severely to the to the point that he would actually sleep at nights in cemeteries, which is how he became so isolated. And there's a bunch of other stuff that happened while he was outside of his home that because he didn't face that normal loving parental relationship um, from the get go, it caused him to be like detached from society Mm -hmm. and I also believe that sometimes when you have um abusive situations as a child you get a bit of a Stockholm syndrome like that's the only parent that you know so regardless of the beatings regardless of anything you still love them yeah you know like you still love them and you still want to protect them because that's your family and that's what's bred into you you are blood at the end of the day so maybe that was like Pedro's mentality for this because obviously he did and he also killed the actual thief but yeah. his dad might have also made his life a living hell. That that too. Like, but what if it was mm-hmm. that? Like, it was just like he wanted it to stop so badly that he like killed that person, and then he decided to take it a, like like take it to the next step of like, yeah. You disrespected my father, mm-hmm. so or you are the reason this happened to my father, mm-hmm. or you're the real reason. Yeah, Mister Perino, Killer Petey. Um. He sought revenge in San Paolo, where he began a series of burglaries and eventually murdered a drug dealer. During his time in San Paolo, he actually met a woman by the name of Maria uh, Olympia, who he began a relationship with. They ended up living together and and being all in love, which was really sweet, and you're kind of rooting for him in this aspect. Mm -hmm. Because you know that he's already dealt with, by this time, he's only like 17. By this time, he's dealt with a hell, and he actually had to leave his hometown to go to San Paolo. Um... However, probably due to a mix-up with the wrong crowd or drug lord oppression in the area, Maria was killed by local gang members. Pedro escaped and sought revenge. He murdered and tortured several people in an attempt to find the identity of the gang member who ordered the attack on Maria. Before he was 18 years old, he had already killed 10 people and injured severely many more. So, this is where I feel like it's 
it was just like this kind of like Robin Hood kind of pulling. There's a lot of speculation too that he did minor killings of of drug lord oppression, so like local gang members and stuff beyond him trying to seek revenge with Maria, that he would try to help out like impoverished people in the area. So that's why I kind of also put in there that I feel like he's Robin Hood because he just seems like a good guy who was dealt a really shitty card in life. I'm really rooting for this guy. No. Like, I'm really rooting for this guy to be good. And, like, it's just the fucked up world we live in. Yeah, dude. It's a dark, cruel world. Well, I always look at it. So, Stan Lee died today. 95 years old. Five more years until 100. And we all miss him dearly. Um, But just speaking in a comic book reference, you have to understand, too, with most comic book heroes... They usually, I mean, look at the, uh, look at just, I mean, I always think of Wolverine and then I also think of the crow, even though that has nothing to do with it. I just, in a comic book reference, I feel like those two comic book heroes per se. Anti-villains. Yeah. They really have like the worst life. Like every Wolverine edition and theory on his life. Yeah. Dude, Deadpool. They have the worst luck. They have fucking buzzard luck with love. Every time they fall in love, the woman is, like, tortured and killed. Mm -hmm. And then every time that they think that they're happy, all of a sudden their world turns upside down because they realize that they're not normal people. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, like, it's The Crow, which is, was, uh, The Crow is actually a comic that was, uh, the movie The Crow was based on. Like, the writer in real life lost his wife. She was killed by local gang members that were robbing their house. And he wrote the book in order to say, what would I do if I got the opportunity to ever come back? Like, he wanted to die with her because she died and that was the love of his life. But that if he were to come back, how would he avenge it? Mm -hmm. And I always thought that that was really beautiful. And I kind of take that as to what Killer Petey was doing in San Paolo at this time. I mean, literally mutilating and torturing people to get the identity of the guy that that, um, killed Maria. Or ordered the hit. Anyways... He ordered the hit, um, which was very successful on his father. He, so here's where it's, the story turns. After he loses Maria, he actually orders a hit on his father after his father butchered his mother with a machete. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It just gets fucked up, and I feel so bad for him. Uh, when seeking revenge against his father, here's... Okay, let me just tell you, Killer PD needs Dude, to have a fucking movie written saw about him. My fucking face right now. No, I'm fucking in awe. You're, I, gonna, you're gonna get in more. I awe. am speechless. This is why I feel like Killer PD really needs a movie. If anyone is listening, and anyone that's listening is important in Hollywood, write a movie about Killer PD because guess what? When seeking revenge against his father, he cut out a piece of his father's heart, chewed it, and threw it away. Just to prove how much he hated his father and, like, how animalistic that act was. Like, he just ripped out his heart and chewed Wait, it and how then spit it out. How is information even found out? Like, was this all, Interviews. Like, documented or was this something that he just said? Interviews, letters that he wrote when he went to trial, he confessed to a lot more killings and was actually confirmed. Mm-hmm. So he probably ended up killing way more people than the 71 that he's convicted oh, for. Dang. Yeah. Um, so Pedro was arrested on May 24th, 1973. He was sentenced to a prison, uh, where he then killed four inmates while incarcerated and later claimed the lives of a hundred. Um, his total confirmed body count beyond the, what he was convicted for beyond the 104 was 71, including his father. So do the math, 104 plus 71. It's a whole lot of shit ton. Like, 175, okay? Uh, Brazilian law... Okay, first of all, first, that's fucking impressive. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. That's, like, what? I mean, if I got that information correct, but, yeah, 175. That's fucking impressive. 175 lives. Yeah. All before he turned... 20. By the way, I'm not condoning this shit. I'm just super impressed with the fact that Let me that tell you, this, this was man, all before he turned 20. This was a month before his 20th birthday. I am super impressed. Yeah, right? I am fucking impressed. Okay, so okay. H.H. Holmes or Killer Petey, right? Killer Petey totally takes precedence in this one because I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? All before his 20th birthday? Yeah. All before his 20th birthday. 
Yep. Holy shit. That is... He was just kind of like a maniac, you know, but like in the good way where he just kept getting these cards and then he was like, fuck no. This is like a crank movie. Think about it. Okay. I could see that. He's just going and going and going and like his whole life is basically... He doesn't have time for a fucking nine to five job. No, he's got to go kill people. Like this is... How do you kill 175 people? Dude, and the fact, like, I still love his father's death, how he butchered, how he ordered a hit on his father because his father butchered his mom with a machete, and then he goes and he is able to cut out his father's heart during the hit, which I'm pretty sure he personally just killed his father, and then takes a chunk out, chews it, and spits it out just to show, like, the ultimate sign of disrespect. Like, fuck, you're fucked. And you know what, to be honest, just like in most um, abusive childhoods, and this is... You know, not to gender stereotype, but there's more abusive fathers than there generally are physically abusive mothers. So his mom was probably just very loving towards him, the only source of comfort. So him doing that was also probably him just, you know, giving his love to his mom, just like how he tortured and killed so many people just to get the information to find out who killed Maria, like the love of his life, all before 20, dude. And imagine being 20 and already have done, done all that. And then fucking being incarcerated. Just, like, you're done. Like, you did so much in your small life. I mean, serial killer-wise, it's quite an impressive resume. I would say so. Yeah. Um, no, he's... This is what caught my eye, because I want to bring you guys, as my audience, like I said, you might know, like, Ted Bundy, Ed Gein, Albert Fish. You might know a lot of really cool serial killers. And granted, there's a reason why they're usually the top, you know, 25 listed, But I wanted to bring you guys to a different part of the world, to a different part of crazy. Well, yeah, this is super interesting. And, like, when I say it's impressive, I don't mean, like, oh, yay, good for him. Like, Like, I'm saying it as, like, you have to look, it's a word. It's empathetic in that situation. It's a word describing an event. Mm -hmm. The fact that he was only 20 years old when he was caught yeah with how many people he 19 when he was caught it was just a month before his 20th birthday like hats he, off right he you know he's living his best life fuck it oh, he's living his best life his birthday. he is living his best life just going around you know what though it's not really his best life because he just keeps getting this buzzard luck and then one thing but leads to another. But he's taking matters into his yeah. own hands. Therefore, he's living his best life. Which I think is why they <laughs> referenced him to be like Matador, you know, like Pedrino Matador, where it's one of those things where, you know, like a Matador within a bull ring. Uh-huh. He's taking the bull, he's taking those lives. Like he's taking everything under his control because he's probably not been able to control most of the events that happened exactly. in his life. Exactly. You know, so he's going around and he he's was born with a fucking injured skull, which let me tell you something. There is a huge study also about brain injuries and how it can affect you. We don't know where his injury was, but maybe that one injury from his father beating his mother while she was pregnant. I mean, he must have fucking beat her so bad that it injured the baby inside. So, what if that one blow to the head or blow to the stomach that hit him and caused him to have damage, what if that was the offset to him having no consequential thinking? Or not necessarily consequential, obviously he does think about consequence, but... To the point Taking where, matters into his own Yeah, hands. he had that inclination to like kill when he, someone made him mad. I, yeah, I would say mad. But you also have to think about it, like, what if it didn't really make him mad? What if he was just doing it because it was like, I want justice, mm-hmm. and this is how I'm going to get it. So like, I'm saying Robin I don't think Hood this too. is right. Yeah. So this is how I'm... That's how it's all sounding. Yeah. Like, just the pattern. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that, like, I just, I really felt for him, you know, like you said, it was kind of a, a Dexter situation where he may, he may have been born into a rich family and still killed, but it doesn't make him as impressive as, like, and I hate to say this, but it really doesn't make him as impressive, and because in this situation, he was born to a poor farming family with a really fucked up childhood, and then he continued to have fucked up situations, but he came out as, like, a vigilante in my eyes. You know, where he, you know, his, obviously he lived with Maria and there was, 
maybe minor killings, but most of them were drug lords. Like, he was killing the bad guys, you know? And then yeah. when something happened, he just, like, snapped. I don't know. I really like him. I wonder if he was a social bug. Like, hey, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fine. Like, nothing. Like, no one even noticed. He just goes down. Yeah, everyone like, knows, I wonder Everyone what, knows like, Killer PD. Well, like, that's exactly what I wonder. Like, do people know that he was actually doing this stuff? Like, was he, like a town hero or were people like actually terrified of him i didn't say anything about that but i think that here's the thing um going into his incarceration brazilian law prohibits a sentence longer than 30 years behind bars but due to the murders and crimes he committed while incarcerated his sentence was 400 years but uh due to good behavior and other merits he was released in 2007 where he migrated to a northeastern part of brazil um but ended up back this guy he i love him he seems so cool (laughs) he ended up back in prison in 2011 due to accusations of riot false imprisonment and supposedly putting hits or threats out on future for future killings against other criminals such as the park maniac which is another serial killer from brazil francisco de assis so he was like out there just killing like i said he went back out he was a housekeeper like, he was just a guy that came and cleaned the house, did all like, the stuff. that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> killing people this on the side. It was just, like, just a normal day superhero, if you think about it. Yeah, and he like, just went he, out and... That's what I'm wondering. Like, what was his personality like? Was he just, like, this friendly guy that was There's just, like, interviews sleeping? that you can definitely check out with, and he is very calm. Like, he's almost like a dad. To be honest, he's just really nice. And that's what Dude, blows my mind. Could you imagine if he was just like, oh, yeah, I'm just like a dad. And then, like, you think about your dad getting fucking angry. Every yeah. time I think about my dad getting angry, I'm just like, we're all going to die. We're, we're all going to die. die. We're all, he's going to go on a murder spree. We're all dead. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I, I could only imagine. Like, yeah, you just like, chill. And something like, you do something or, like, he finds out. That you like did something wrong, and then he's just like, Killer Petey's came out. Killer Petey. He just has this look in his eyes like a bull. Dude, yeah. I tr- I truly believe like blind rage. But here's the thing too, like if you look at that non-criminalistic sociopathic book that I was talking about earlier, they talk about them all being like, you know, they have a characteristic where some of them have said, yeah, people tell me that I'm kind and that I'm nice. But they don't always feel that way. It's kind of like a social cue. So you kind of wonder, too, like, how much is a social cue in this aspect? You know, obviously, I think he understands that he did love that girl. And I think he understands that he did seek revenge for his mom after his dad killed his mom. But at the same time, what if it's that social cue? Like, he has that outlet. So it's kind of a, an interesting, like, concept. How mm-hmm. much can he feel? And how much is he? Especially if he goes into, like, a black route rage. Or what if he's, like... Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, like, when he's sober, quote-unquote, so when he's not enraged, he's completely nice, but all of a sudden he, like, hulks out and becomes, like, uh, Mr. Hyde and just, like, fucks shit up and is real maniacal about it. Um, I just love the fact that he fucking put a hit out on another serial killer, too. You just reminded me that I have still not completed Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I still have one chapter left. Oh, you need to get on that. And that's the letter that Dr. Jekyll wrote describing all of the events between him and Mr. Hyde. And I'm like, I was like, oh, I'm going to save this for when I get home so I could just sit there and read all the distractions. And then my life just got fucked up from there and I never finished it. You know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde's really interesting to me on two concepts because one, uh, obviously we're going to be talking about mental awareness and mental health um, awareness and, and help and assistance and what it actually means. So certain things like PTSD and certain things like disassociative identity disorder are things that we're going to go about. So that's obviously prevalent in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, mm-hmm. especially the DID. But another thing is too, is that, um, I think it talks about the way that people change when under the influence, like right now we smoke, right? And we get a little happy and giggly, but I'll tell you, I've never really seen an angry stoner. I have seen very angry alcoholics and whether if alcohol is your choice that's fine everything in moderation is what I believe um including moderation at times but I feel like it was a representation of alcoholism and a representation of like misuse of whatever 
might be your addiction because it completely changed him into like this soul-sucking, maniacal, greedy, horrific personality. Are we talking about Dr. Jekyll? Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, one was kind and one was sweet and one was understanding where the other one, as soon as, soon as it would shift, it was like the other one was just maniacal. I can't remember. I'll have to read the book. Pretty sure it was Mr. Hyde that was maniacal because he was, like, smooth and charming but also, like, no, angry. No, he actually wasn't. Um, was he, like, crude? Doctor, or Mr. Hyde was a short man. Yeah, he was a short man. And he was wearing clothes too big for him. But he had, like, this, this, like, energy about him that people were terrified of. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely terrified. You ever meet people like that? Yes. Yeah, where and you just know you're, like... fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, and he would never make eye contact with people, which... I learned was a habit of mine. I don't like making eye contact with people when I go out. Yeah. Or, like, at stores and stuff like that. Like, for some reason, it's just like, yeah, here's my money. Look take it. in the eyes. You take my money. Yeah. That would like, be that's awkward. a little weird. So, I always, like, yeah. keep my head down and I, like, always, like, do, like, like the quick glances up. Like, yeah, I'm okay. Like, yeah. I'm looking at you, but I don't want to look at you. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always been that kind of person. And then I realized that that makes me look really sketchy. I probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> no, I think that's fine. I don't think it makes you look sketchy. I totally understand that because I can be very big on eye contact, but there are certain situations where I'm like, I don't really feel, I feel like this might be too abrasive in this situation, so I'm just going to keep it to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, like, just look down. Don't be that. Hey, Lisa. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, a straight in the eye. No, and sometimes even when I look people <laughs> in the eye, I'll, like, stare off into, like, their eyebrows or something, but it's, like, still in that general direction because... Like, so you our boss, make direct our boss, he, he, like, has a very direct stare to where Casey's all like, hey, I think it kind of makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, no, I get that. Casey's another coworker of ours, but there's a, like, our direct, our boss definitely has, like, a stare where you're just like, you're kind of making me uncomfortable in the fact <laughs> of, like, he's so serious and then he does, I don't think he means it, but he just looks and it's just like, Okay, let me tell you all the bad things that I did in my life because I feel like you're looking for something. I know I don't know what to say here. He does. He has that like soul stare. Yeah, Yeah. which I think it's also his eyebrows. Got like very like the way that they're directed can just be very like intense. Um, But no, so I feel like and and that's why. But you look at Killer PD. If you look at interviews or pictures, he just seems very chill. Like, he got all his killing out when he was young, so he's just, like, chill now. Fuck it, man. What if all the old people go on purges? <laughs> the Ooh. old people get to decide who dies? That would be my, ironic. My ear is ringing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Could you play my phone? Oh, God. What? I don't know. I'm tired. Oh, weren't you going to say something? No. Okay, so now that we talked that? about Killer PD, um, that's about all I have really to say about him. Uh, he's very interesting, and I would definitely suggest looking him up. Um, I do want to say, so we've been talking about the mind a little bit, and beyond getting stoned and enjoying ourselves, I do want to talk about ways that we can get high without being high. Oh, fuck. Give me that book. So, Lisa... Alisa, the cannabis goblin. Okay, hold on. Let me just explain. Okay, the funniest thing I've ever seen in this book is it was like negative ways to get high without mind-altering drugs. And the negative one was literally demonic possession. Oh, we had that, that was so on Halloween. Ridiculous. Okay, that's why it's so fresh in my mind. So if you're just tuning in, let me tell you, that was the most ridiculous thing that I've ever read. It's like how to get high without being high. Demonic possession. Negative techniques. If we're oh gonna, my god. If we're gonna talk about that, I'm gonna talk about negative techniques. So yes. We're gonna go into. Do, 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 do
ever tell if I really like that song or I really hate that song. I feel like it's just a song that always comes in my head in like an elevator or something. Negative techniques. Here we go. I've got a migraine. Let's do this. Number 43, Rage. <laughs> Anger can oh, be this good. Is perfect, because it goes with PD. Yeah, okay, perfect. So, we are taught to express our anger, but not to express it directly. However, rage, total anger, rage. can be good for us. Yes. For example, when a man is criticized by his boss, social conviction and fear of job loss demand that he not respond with what he is really feeling, anger. The result of such a situation is usually displacement. The wife, the man's wife, relative, or friend is the target for retaliation instead of the boss. Suppressing anger can be dangerous and self-destructive. And self-destructive, as with pain. There is an anger threshold that can be tolerated without expression before a breakout is pers- precipitated. Precipit, yeah, precipitated. Pre, <laughs> precipitated. Pre- precipitated. Yeah, yeah, okay. Fuck. Like yeah. precept. <laughs> I guess like. Most of us can resist the expression <laughs> of our anger. Gazoon fucking tight. I know. So my boyfriend always has people think about him. He always sneezes like five to ten times. <laughs> Most of us resist the expression of our anger, expression of our anger because we fear our own. What is it? Our own omnipresent or omnipotent destructive power. So we fear ourselves in that, like our imagine, like imagination of what we could do. Yeah, our central ca- catastrophic fantasy is that if we are ever, if we ever got really angry, we'd do something terrible, something so unforgivable that we would end up in serious trouble. A safe way to experiment with anger is to arrange, is to arrange, to get angry at eight. At a time, it's to arrange. That doesn't make Arrange to get angry at a time when you can be alone so you're not hurting anyone, so. Oh, okay. Then you can try getting really angry with an inanimate object, say a pillow, something that you won't hurt or that won't hurt you. Have you seen those damn it dolls? No. They're literally, so at first I thought it was like a joke about booty dolls, but they're literally like little sewn dolls and they have like a little thing on the tag that says, it's a damn it doll. So when you get upset, you can grab it by the legs and like hit it against the counter. It's like a little pillow doll. And you're like, damn it, damn it, damn it. <laughs> you ever seen like your grandparents do that? that? Like they don't so really get cute. mad. They just like, just, like hit shit. pillows and stuff. Yeah. Damn it. Make believe the pillow is your boss, enemy, friend, parent, teacher, child, or whoever sits, stirs your wrath. And then let the pillow have the full force of your fury. This can be a means towards both physical release and emotional Mm. um, catharsis. You might find your anger is more manageable than you had allowed yourself to believe. Okay. So, I like anger, and I think it's really prevalent in this aspect. I think Killer PD, like use his anger to fuel his actions because in all honesty whether he was a little sociopathic or not I still feel like he did have some consequential thinking in this well this was his way of fucking letting his anger out yeah he found human human damn it dolls plus prison's fucking scary like I don't know how people survive in prison without killing someone to be honest to be honest um anyways to wrap this show up i do have another great hp lovecraft quote it says Mm. i never ask a man what his business is for it never interests me what i am about are his thoughts and dreams and i kind of wanted to use this quote after looking it over because i feel like there was probably a lot more to killer pd than just killing And that's why I wanted to bring up the reasons why. And that's what interests me about serial killers is who they are and why they do something, not necessarily what they did. Like, yeah, if people use, like, meticulous, like, torture methods, like, obviously Jack the Ripper is really fascinating for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And cannibalism, like, all cannibalistic serial killers are really fascinating. 
um, in regards to that. But for me, I really just wanted to know why Killer PD did what he did. And that's why I call him kind of like Robin Hood. You know, I felt like he was really uh, a seeking revenge for the people that had been wronged and seeking vengeance for himself, you know, like a true vigilante. Mm-hmm. The anti, what is it, the anti-hero or anti-villain? Oh, anti-villain. That's anti-villain. Anti-hero. Anti-hero. I said anti-villain earlier. But the anti-hero, you know, where is he a really bad guy? No, I want to know what his thoughts and dreams are. Maybe what he envisioned for his life, which was probably a lot different. Probably. Well, is he alive? I think so. I didn't read anything that he did, that he died, that he did. Let me... <laughs> he be <laughs> that dead. That he be dead. Uh, let me look him up really quick and just see. Um, Pedro... Rodriguez. Let's see here. Oh, brought up the football player. Serial killer. Let's look this up. Well, I don't know why it's not bringing it up, but I'm pretty positive he's still alive. Let's look here. Let's look on Wikipedia. It's not always the best, but yeah, he doesn't have a death date. Well, so. you know what? If he ever gets to listen to this, I wish which I don't know if he will, but you never know. Crazier shit. Crazy, crazier things have happened. Oh, totally. So, totally, yeah. we'll be talking about that in the rest of the season. Yeah. All right. the serial killers. <laughs> we're, oh, we're supposed to open it up with cereal. Open it up with cereal for cereal okay, killers. I'm going to go to the store and get milk. And I have this peanut butter chocolate Cheerio cereal. And it's that fucking really good. delicious. It tastes really? like fucking like Reese's, like Reese's Pieces. Mm. <sighs> so yummy. What's your but favorite cereal? Milk. It's always been Cinnamon Toast Crunch or Fruity Pebbles. You know, I love Honeycombs. And Captain Crunch. Dude, the fucking kid Captain that Crunch says that. And Lucky Charms. Yes, and Twix. Twix? Trix. Trix. <laughs> Not Twix. That's the right candy, too. Trix. The fucking person that says that Kix is their favorite cereal, I'm calling Kicks. him a liar. I don't think I've ever had it. Kix is not that good. <laughs> no, I don't think life. I've ever had it. No, what are those honey yes! O's? Life, life with cinnamon, cinnamon was everything. Honey O's? Have you guys ever tried those? Yeah, those are so good. That's why we need to have a cereal dad's party. Favorite oh, a I cereal I was party. Super old, but raisin bran crunch with the with the yogurt cluster. Oh my gosh, Mike loves or the butcher. Excuse me. <laughs> are you Mike? Mike loves um, raisin bran. <laughs> Raisin bran. Yeah. Oh it's good. You know what? It's so good. Raisin my mom crunch. almost divorced my stepdad while going through menopause over raisin bran. Fuck my she was mad that he bought A, the generic kind, and yeah. B, that he mixed it with the last bit of the real oh, kind. No. She was so mad. And then he didn't get the right milk. Oh. So she, and you know like when you go to bed and you're like, oh, in the morning, I'm going to get myself some real good cereal. And you know it's like in your head. Oh. And you like go to sleep so happy and then you wake up in the morning and everything's ruined. It's like no. a, whole bowl, like, a whole bowl of cereal, you go in the fridge and there's no, no milk. milk. I hate yes. that. Or there's, right. there is milk, but it's just like the little that residue much. at the bottom. Who the fuck leaves <laughs> That yeah, is Somebody did that with the coffee creamer. Oh my gosh. I, bet I you- went to grab the pumpkin spice and there was fucking nothing. There was nothing left. Like if I would have put shit. that creamer in my coffee, yeah. it would have still been black. It was fucking like nothing. Drop. Oh no, I'll save that for the next person. Who the <laughs> fuck does that? I want to tell you real quick, bef- or like last story. I still to this day feel like such a horrible sister for this, okay? (laughs) So, I was young, I was like nine, and my sister was three, and we wanted a bowl of cereal. My mom was going to be at work, like, late, you know? So I, like, go and and get our bowls of cereal, and then I look at the milk, and there's not that much (laughs) milk. So, being the nine-year-old piece of shit that I was, (laughs) I literally... 
gave myself the milk, and I convinced my sister that water tasted the same. <laughs> and my sister, my poor sister at three years old, man, she had watery cereal. And she was like, she was sitting there, and she was like taking a bite, and she was like, oh, this is good. <laughs> and I'm like sitting there like munching down my cereal like, I'm so glad I got the rest of the milk. It's so Can delicious. I say this right here while you're being very selfish? I, myself, in this house, in 2018, yeah. have eaten cereal with water. <laughs> what? Just because you're really craving that cereal hey, and you're like, I've been so be high before where I was like, <laughs> I opened the fridge and would hit that like, fuck, no motherfucking milk. And I looked at the sink and I was like... Just a little bit. <laughs> just a little just bit. Just make it wet. You know, just, just get, get it wet a little bit. bit. Exactly. <laughs> just get, just that get that bread wet. wet. Just <laughs> get it wet. Let me just hey, be able dude, to munch it Stir it up. You don't need to worry about it until you get to the bottom. When it's just watery You don't want to drink it. Water. It just tastes like, and then it just tastes like fucking almond milk. Once it's at the bottom, it just tastes it's like so almond diluted. milk. It's so diluted. It's really diluted cereal flake, like, yeah. Bran, whatever, yeah. like, grain, whatever you're fucking eating, like, but yeah, dude, it's fucking, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of that shit. <laughs> so maybe my sister liked it, I don't know, I just felt super bad, I remember, like, I still think about it to this day, and that was, like, years, that was almost 20 years ago, okay, that I did that to my sister, and I still feel like I always owe her, like, a candy bar or something, when I see her, like, I'm so sorry I did that that one time, like, I was fucking Here, mean. get yourself the king size. Yeah, exactly. Get the four Reese's pieces, not the two-pack. You deserve it, champ. Like, fuck. Here, get some milk with that. Yeah. Oh, you want a bowl of cereal? Let me give you the rest of the milk, okay? To this day. I do this shit to his eyes. I'm not gonna laugh. <laughs> Your kid, you're just like. Well, he'll want it all for like just drinking, right? Yeah. So he doesn't even eat the cereal. No, so kids never do. The other night, I was just like, "Oh, I'm sorry. There's no more milk. Here, just have dry cereal." <laughs> and so he just sat it. there and he was like, "You just oh fucking ate gosh. it," but I was like, <laughs> "You're like, there was milk for me, buddy. There was milk for me." Milk <laughs> hide your cannabis, hide your milk. Lisa's in town. She'll hide gobble it all up. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm not a klepto. I promise. Unless you got cannabis or milk, she's got that. She's gonna gobble it all oh, up. Fucking god! All right. <laughs> Have a good night, guys. Good Thanks time. for tuning in.